Okay, so this is a slight interruption of her normal Realms of Roush posting, <clears throat> but this is still Realms of Roush, a sci-fi and fantasy short story newsletter. But today we're doing a bit of non-fiction, a little bit of essay, a little bit of uh, perspective, opinion, and it's all about how I think we're giving our way our humanity. So it's just a smattering of fears on AI and the soul of the species. Hope, uh, hope that interests you today. Um, I've been simmering on these thoughts for some time. I don't typically write nonfiction because I need what I, what I say to feel authentic or mildly new. Um, so I sit on things for a while until they kind of get coherent. Uh, also, I want to pre-apologize to my journalism professors because this is going to be uh, more opinion and flighty thought than like a well-structured article. And as always, I buried the lead somewhere but I don't have a team of, of writers to help me find it again. Uh, and here goes. Obviously AI, it's obvious to me that AI has been on everyone's mind lately in some shape or form. You know, every, every day I'm uh, communicating with a friend about AI or this crazy thing someone did with ChatGPT. Um, and overall, there's, a, there's a, a wide range of opinion on it. Some people seem excited and optimistic, while others are clearly like rubbing their hands like little mammals, thinking of all the money they can make or how much easier they can make their lives. Um, someone else I know is using it to make resumes that are getting them interviews. And then there's people like me who uh, are lying awake at night wondering when they're gonna get replaced. Um, and, I'm, and I'm afraid that it's gonna happen to me. I'm in the latter most camp. Uh, I'm really afraid of our collective willingness to dehumanize our world in that way. Uh, as a writer, it's especially terrifying. Like the internet is already full of people churning out words on the cheap. Uh, whereas I'm someone who takes a long time to formulate thoughts or create a story and to get it to, to the point where I feel like other people can read it. Um, and the thing is ChatGPT and other AI like it are just gonna make, I think you're gonna make words cheaper enabling um it's enabling humans to fill the world with half-baked thoughts half-baked at best and it's already happening uh you might have heard how clark's world a literary sci-fi magazine um had to close their submissions because of a great flood of ai written stories like they couldn't get through them all and they could tell that the the quality of the stories were so low low par or subpar um they just had to shut down their their systems. Um, and I've already seen it in my life already. Uh, my boss has asked me to edit content written by AI. It was really bland and it needed an entire rewrite. It was useful though in just like starting an article, but nothing else beyond that. Um, and a little side note, that job assignment caused a mental spiral where I wondered who would read all the BS content AI makes. And then I realized that we'd probably need AI to read the AI articles. And then suddenly no one's reading any marketing materials anyway, and boom, all the writers are fired. That's kind of where my mind went. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I know it's crazy. But I'm not really here, like, I'm not here just sharing thoughts about hey, how AI is going to change the game for writers, how it's changing the game already. But I'm here to discuss uh, the human spirit of giving things away for the sake of ease, comfort, and financial gain. I'm really here to like to talk about the future. And the way I see it, there's two extreme futures. 
Um, one of the writers on Substack that I've followed for a while, and I, I think she's brilliant, um, L. Griffin, who writes The Novelist and, uh, newsletter and another one, she wrote a Day in the Life post about um, a future where our lives are fully integrated with AI. So she wrote as herself, waking up with all these AI assistants and what her day looks like. Um, the writing's perspective is like positive and hopeful and really gives an idea of, of, of a beautiful future where the union of AI and human existence can be really integrated. Um, and here's the thing. If administrative, governmental, and menial daily tasks are handled by autonomous systems, like it's not too hard to imagine how free our lives become, um, how much time we, we get back from our jobs where AI can do the work for us, we have time to be creative and tactile with our world, you know, get into hobbies. We have energy for our families. And like we almost in this in this future, we can rediscover who we are as a species because of we're suddenly free of labor that we've had to do for forever. But this I feel like this necessitates a question. Is it really so good to have an entire society or world that can just do what it wants? Is it, is it good? The, I mean, the better question is, is it good for work and labor not to have any weight to it? Um, and I don't think the answers to those questions are really are either yes or no. Um, I also kind of think that this beautiful future that AI could provide for us is either so far away or it's just too impossible, um, especially with our, uh, our track record of integrating technology with equity, thoughtfulness, and patience. You know, we just tend to launch right into it. Um, to forget the consequences, you know. Um, to, for, to, to misquote one of my favorite philosophers, Peter Rollins, he said on a podcast kind of like this, to get to utopia, you have to free yourself from utopia. And I think he means that we really can't strive for a perfect world um, because there will always be people that the world isn't perfect for. So with such uh, a game-changing technology like AI, how do we find that beautiful world? Um, some other questions that come to mind um, with that, uh, who's going to be dis displaced by AI and, and how many people? Um, how are we going to make AI accessible for all people? Um, is it just going to be accessible for the few, the powerful? Um, and are we augmenting our human abilities or are we replacing them? Um, and I think this comes down to writing some sort of balance where we have a handle on AI development and, and we use it to uh, inspire a beautiful future and to solve some of our everyday problems um, while also addressing and minimizing the harm and the change that's going to come about as we start involving AI more and more in, in the fabric of our daily lives. And, and as we can see right now, the more that we rely on AI, the more we rely on it. It's gonna, we're just gonna progressively offload human-centric tasks uh, until, I don't know, until almost everything is done by AI or robotic systems, I think. But, I, uh, but thinking about this and the, and the wider consequences um, I think 
I think we're going to create a new sort of poverty that we haven't seen uh, in this world before. And it's not just a poverty in economic terms. Um, when people get displaced, like by technology, there's often a sort of kickback to where there's new opportunities because of that technology, repairing or maintaining these systems. But we got to wonder if there's going to be a, enough work for even a fraction of the displaced individuals uh, to pay the bills. Are they going to be able to retrain and find new jobs? Are people who, who rely on their work for important uh, things like meaning and value, are we going to be able to find new ways to, to give them value? That's, that's, that's where I'm going with that. Um, I don't know if you remember Andrew Yang. He's a presidential candidate um, back in like 2020 or something. But one of his key campaign points besides universal basic income was creating a safety net for um, freight, like uh, freight truck drivers, um, because they're going to be replaced uh, soon by autonomous self-driving vehicles. Um, and he was talking about this a few years ago. Um, and I really think those are the, the things we need to be talking about in response to all of the questions I just raised. Um, we need to build solutions like government safety nets, um, you know, uh, public health uh, re-education programs in combination or in tandem with, with corporate support. Uh, it, it's really going to be a society-wide effort, I think. Um, and these steps need to be preventive to, um, to protect people. And uh, I, I think we need to ask our leaders to start having these conversations to protect their own constituents, to protect their citizens. And somehow, with all of that effort, we need to create a future that lives somewhere between the two extremes of AI apocalypse and an integrated utopia, somewhere that's weird and altogether like fused with our current day and age and and this sort of sci-fi technology. Um, this is this is why I think it's so important to listen to the extremely intelligent people writing, imagining, and warning us about the ways we can go right and wrong with. Um, with artificial intelligence, you know, and it wasn't long, so long ago that that the things we're seeing today were super far fetched, but I could bet you it was in a sci fi book. Um, but have a, here's another angle for you. It's at least sixty percent less ranty. It's more creative. Uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, Van Nystat, recently had a video uh, titled "The Philosophy of Driving Stick." And something he says is driving stick is a creative exercise. And this perfectly explains so many things, but it really sums up my feelings for the manual tactile world and how I believe that everyone should have access to a life that connects them to, to the world at large, to nature, their home, their food, their families. In short, everyone should be allowed and enabled to go manual if they wish. Uh, as a child, I was lucky to spend many summers in Indiana, um, which really challenged my suburbanite notions and comfort zone. Um, my grandpa let me work in his garden with machines, digging up dirt, uh, planting seeds, um, helped my grandma cook in the kitchen sometimes. And um, I really outgrew my comfort zone and I wandered the forests, learned how to catch frogs. It was like good old American childhood. <laughs> 
Um, but even like with that idyllic time, um, I feel like I missed out on the time before computers, uh, when watches had to be wound, when it was expected that people have more knowledge about how to take care of the things they bought and owned. Um, also when everything was written by typewriters, I, last year I fixed one up and started using it and it was the most fun and beautiful thing I've ever had. Um, at least for a writing aesthetic and process, uh, I, my problem, my fingers would probably be destroyed after a lifetime of typing on it, but it would be a beautiful life. Uh, I digress. In my visions of a, of a utopian future, the world looks a lot more analog. It's a blending of my, my childhood time and even a time before then, uh, where we have fewer devices that do everything for us and we've returned to having specific machines and tools almost for the pure beauty and aesthetic and the functionality they provide um, where our technology connects us to our world more instead of becoming more digital and more detached. Uh, I propose that the most beautiful world we can have with technology is one where we don't replace everyone and everything we can, that we sort of protect the things that make us human uh, we establish hard boundaries and we enforce those boundaries with science and regulations and collective effort. Um, and part of this is that I think we need to keep humans in jobs where humans benefit and we should measure those benefits not by economic scales or overhead or taxes where if an experience is simply better because I can talk to a, a real human on the phone or interact with a human face and not question whether if whether or not it's synthetic or real, you know that then maybe we should keep that job. Or you know if we get to the point where we're deciding whether or not AI should take take someone's job, and we deem that it's um, actually better objectively, um, then at least we have some sort of safety net to help retrain and reeducate them. And going back to my original idea. I understand that not all work is a creative exercise. A lot of work sucks and that's just, it's just work. And honestly, if I'm, or if I'm being honest, do I want to ever write another article, 10 reasons to go to London for a job really? No, not, not particularly. Do I want AI to do it though? Def definitely not. Um, and also on that note, um, I think if people don't want to do work that is really hard and really painful, I don't think they should have to do that. I'm not arguing for that either. <clears throat> I am arguing that to have good work that connects us to other people and provides a sense of value is good. Um, and we shouldn't steal that from ourselves or other people just for ease and affordability. But I digress again. Who am I kidding? We're going to do it. We're all playing with ChatGPT or Chat4PT. I don't know what it is. Um, because on, it's a human thing. We're cave people discovering fire again. And we will always be cave people discovering fire. Uh, it's just as utopian for me to want a future that... Um, values obsolescence that values going back in time to 
greenback value. And, you know, when the robot overlords do take over, they're going to bring this article up at my hearing, call me a dissenter, then they're going to digitize my brain for eternal torture, probably. Um, and then they're going to force me to live in a world where all sinks have faucets that are too short, so my knuckles hit the back of the bowl. This is actually my, my real nightmare and truest hell. Um, <laughs> jokes aside, sorry, that's, <laughs> that's just where my head goes. Um, jokes aside, that beautiful future we all want that you know, is integrated with technology and AI it's going to require different kinds of conversations than the ones we're having now. And it's going to require that we hold our leaders accountable and our companies accountable and our friends and family accountable and to have these conversations with them. Yeah. Here's some other dead end sort of thoughts. I'm really comfortable giving AI supervision over resource allocation and processing macro data to understand things like how can we create fairer, more safe societies? Or how can we create economies that are not driven by goals of limitless growth? I found uh, Isaac Asimov's vision for this sort of future in his book, I, Robot, really cool and potentially helpful. It is not the same plot as the movie, though. Don't go thinking that. Um, another thought, AI are going to be sentient, or at least we will be able to believe they are in the near future. It's going to happen. We're not ready for it to happen. And we're, all, we're also not ready for sentient machines to be normal in society. Um, if you'd like to explore AI and society in creative aspects, I'd recommend reading the short stories, um, short stories by Ted Chiang and Ken Liu. Um, they're two sci-fi powerhouse writers. Their short fiction often deals with AI in some way or another. Um, uh, they both have really great books that I'm blanking on the titles on. Uh, Ken Liu, yeah, it's gone. Anyway, but Ted Chang recently wrote a really awesome essay about ChatGPT for The New Yorker. Um, it's worth a deep dive read. Probably worth more than this smattering of, of fear-mongering that I've just done. But as always, I'm really grateful for you reading or listening. Your time and energy is extremely precious, and I appreciate that you spared some to read and absorb these words. And on that note, I'd really love to hear from you. What do you think about all this? What should we do or not do about artificial intelligence? And my, my bigger question is, how do we make a fair and beautiful future for all people? Thank you for that. Um, you can leave a comment to answer. And I'll remind you, a short story is still on its way to your inbox this month. I'll talk to you soon, Realm Walkers.